Chapter Fourteen of Dorothy Dale in the City by Margaret Penrose. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Lynn Thompson. Chapter Fourteen: The Dress Parade. Oh dear! Sighed Dorothy, falling limply into a handsomely upholstered rocker in the comfortable resting room of the shop, half an hour after they had left Miss Mingle. I'm completely exhausted. She carried several parcels, which she dropped listlessly on a nearby couch, on which Tavia was resting. How mildly you express it, cried Tavia. I'm just simply dead. Don't the crowds and the lights and the confusion tire one, though? I'll own up that for just one wee moment today I thought of Dalton, and its peaceful quiet, and the blue sky, and those things, you know, she hastily ended, always afraid of being sentimental. I shouldn't want to think that all my days were destined to be spent in New York. It makes a lovely holiday place, but I like the country, said Dorothy, as she watched a young girl, shabbily dressed, eating some fruit from a bag. Tavia watched her too. At least the monotony of the country can always be overcome by simple pleasures, but here there is no escape to the peaceful. The temptations are too many. For instance— Tavia jumped from her restful position and sat before a writing-table, and the shabby young girl who was eating an orange stopped eating to stare at the schoolgirl. Who wouldn't just write to one's worst enemy if there was no one else just to see these darling little desks? And the paper is monogrammed, exclaimed Dorothy, regaining an interest in things. What stunning paper! She, too, drew up a chair to the dainty mahogany table, and grasping a pen said, we simply must write to someone. This is too alluring to pass by. Here goes one to Ned Ebony, and Tavia dipped the pen into the ink and wrote rapidly in a large, scrawling hand. Mine will be to Aunt Winnie, said Dorothy, laughing. The shabby girl finished her orange, and picking up a small bundle took one lingering look at the happy young girls at the writing desks and left the resting room. "'Aren't we the frivolous things?' said Tavia, "'writing the most perfect nonsense to our friends "'merely because we found a dainty writing-table. "'With the most generous supply of writing-paper,' said Dorothy. "'But the couches and chairs in this room "'are too tempting to keep me at the writing-desk.' "'Dorothy sealed her letter "'and again curled up in the spacious rocking-chair. "'And while we are resting, we can study art,' exclaimed Tavia, "'gazing at the oil-paintings and tapestry that adorned the walls.' A woman with a grand assortment of large bundles and small children tried to get them all into her arms at once, preparatory to leaving the resting-room, but found it so difficult that she sat down once more and laughed good-naturedly while the children scrambled about the place, loath to leave such comfortable quarters. Dorothy watched with interest and wondered how any woman could ever venture out with so many small children clinging to her for protection to do a day's shopping. Tavia was more interested in art at that moment. "'Why go to the art museums?' she asked. "'We can do that part of our trip right here and now. "'We only lack catalogues, "'And we can do nicely without them,' said Dorothy, "'dragging her wandering attention back to Tavia. "'I can enjoy all these pictures without knowing who painted them. "'We can have just five minutes more in this palatial room, "'and then we simply must go on.' "'And five minutes after the hour,' Dorothy persuaded Tavia to leave the ideal spot, and entering the elevator, they were whirled upward to the dress parade. 
Roped off from the velvet-carpeted sales floor, numerous statuesque girls paraded about, dressed in garments to charm the eye of all beholders, to lure the very short and stout person into purchasing a garment that looked divine on a willowy six-foot model, or a wee bit of a lady into thinking that she can no longer exist unless robed in a cloak of sable. But neither Dorothy nor Tavia cared much for the lure of the gorgeous garments. They were too awed at the moment to yearn for anything. A frail, ethereal creature, with a face of such delicacy and wistfulness so dainty and graceful, with a little dimpled smile about her lips, passed the country girls, and after that the girls could see nothing else in the room. They sat down and just watched her. A trailing robe of black velvet seemed almost too heavy for her slender white shoulders, and a large hat with snow-white plume curling over the rim of the hat and encircling her bare throat, like a serpent, framed her flushed face. There, breathed Tavia, is the prettiest face I've ever dreamed of seeing. She's more than pretty, she has a soul, said Dorothy reverently. There is something so wistful about her smile and the tired droop of her shoulders, I feel that I could love her. She has put on an ermine wrap over the velvet gown, said Tavia. Shrinking behind Dorothy, she said impulsively, Dare we speak to her? It must be the most wonderful thing in the world to have a face like that, and to spend all her days just wearing beautiful gowns. She wears them so differently from the others here, declared Dorothy. She's strikingly cool, so far beyond her immediate surroundings. I think she must be a princess, said Tavia, in a solemn voice. No one else could look like that and stroll about with such an air. I think she is someone who has been wealthy and is now very poor, said Dorothy tenderly. How she must detest being stared at all day long. This work, no doubt, is all she is fitted for, having been reared to do nothing but wear clothes charmingly. She's changing her hat now, said Tavia, watching the model as she was arrayed in a different hat. We might just walk past and smile. I shall always feel unsatisfied if we cannot hear her voice. Together they timidly stepped near the wistful-eyed girl with the flushed face. You must grow so very tired, said Dorothy sympathetically. A cool stare was the only reply. Hurry with the boa, you pokey thing, came from the red, pouting lips of the wistful-eyed girl, ignoring Dorothy and Tavia as though they were part of the building's masonry, I ain't got all day to wait. Got to show ten more hats before closing. Hurry up there, you girls. You make me mad. Now you hurry or I'll report you. And turning gracefully, she tilted her chin to just the right angle. The shrinking, wistful smile appeared on her lips. The tired droop slipped to her shoulders. All the air of charm covered her like a mantle. And again she started down the strip of carpet, leaving behind her two sadly disillusioned young girls. Let us go right straight home, said Dorothy. One never knows what to believe is real in this hubbub place. We might have forgiven her anything, said Tavia, if she had been wistfully angry or charmingly bossy. But to think that ethereal creature could turn into just a plain, everyday mortal. The flowers were mostly artificial, the bargain counters mere stopping places for pickpockets, and the most beautiful girl was rude, cried Dorothy. We must be tired. All things can't be wrong, said Tavia philosophically. We'll take a taxi home, said Dorothy. Come on. End of chapter 14